Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. ADK is a family-owned BJJ and MMA clothing brand nestled in the Adirondack Mountains of New York. They bring you high-quality gear at a reasonable price with awesome graphics. So whether you're going for Abu Dhabi Golds or just trying to get fit, meet them at the top of whatever mountain you decide to climb. And you can meet them at the top of that mountain right now by going to ADKFightwear.com and using promo code TURTLE. That's TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, for 20% off your entire order. Use promo code TURTLE, 20% off. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with Dave Tremonte, and we have the pleasure today of speaking to the barbarian Zach Otto, who fights Sage Northcutt at UFC Boise on July 14th. Zach, let's talk about the last time you stepped into the cage, which was uh, Mike Pyle's retirement fight. Uh, you know, you, you kind of ended what was kind of a storied career with a heavy knockout. What were sort of the emotions after that fight? Uh, after the fight, just a big relief in, in many ways. Uh, one being I felt like my job could have been in jeopardy with a loss. So there was a lot of pressure to go on there and perform and, and get that win. And he's a really tough opponent, uh, as all these guys are. So... Um, you know, with the pressure on, just going in there, getting the win uh, was big, but then also getting the finish uh, was another part of it. So um, felt really good to get back to a finish, uh, something that I was known for doing as I was coming up and then something that I hadn't been able to do yet in the UFC. So uh, it was just uh, relief in, in multiple ways and, uh, and a really cool experience fighting a guy that I was a fan of coming up and... Um, you know, being being his last fight was just a, a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and you mentioned pressure there too. So you, you've alternated wins and losses since you've started your UFC career. Is there any sort of pressure to to stay on the winning track here? I know you said there was pressure before about worried about losing too, but is there pressure about getting two in a row here? Uh, no pressure, but I just feel like it's a good opportunity to get a win here and, and finally get on a win streak and, and get some momentum going. And, uh, you know, it, it helps keep your confidence higher when you're winning these fights and, and getting finishes over tough guys. So I'm going to this fight with a lot of confidence, and um, I feel good about keeping this momentum going. And, and it's especially a, a big fight here, too, because it's a big name in Sage Northcutt uh, in that, you know, he's kind of a big figure. He's a polarizing figure. Uh, people have very different opinions about Sage Northcutt. What personally do you have as your uh, conception of the kid? Uh, I think he's a nice kid. I mean, a little weird <laughs> to me sometimes. Um, I don't really understand why he has such a big following. Um, I don't know why so many people are so interested to watch this kid fight. Um, I don't think his skills are up to par with the elite in the UFC, and I'm definitely going to expose him. And, and what do you mean sort of by uh, that, that he's a weird kid, out of, just out of curiosity? Um, he's just like, I, I don't think it's genuine. Um, I think some of his interviews and stuff, he just comes across like a little fake to me. And, um, that's, I guess that's what I mean. Gotcha. So, um, you know, physically, if, if we're talking about fighting him too, uh, he's a guy who kind of likes to stand up here. Do you sort of anticipate having to stand and trade with him? 
Um, I feel comfortable wherever the fight goes with him. Um, he's got a little bit different style with the more uh, traditional martial arts background, uh, a little bit different than your typical like Muay Thai background or boxing. Um, but I feel pretty confident about wherever the fight goes. Um, if it's stand-up, it doesn't seem like he likes to get hit all too much. Uh, as soon as he takes any power shots, he starts diving in for takedowns. Um, and if he wants to go that route and start grappling with me, then that's going to be, I think, even worse off for him. So um, I think he's got a couple doors to go to open, and uh, each one of them are bad for him on the other side. So Absolutely. And so you, you said in there, too, that you know he's got a couple of doors. One has to think probably one of the doors is his physical strength here. He's probably one of the physically strongest people you've fought. Definitely a much different body makeup than Mike Pyle. What do you sort of make of uh, Sage Northcutt's strength? Um, there's different kinds of strengths. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more... Uh, I think he's going to feel strong, but it's it's not efficient as far as uh, fighting-wise. Um, he seems like he like overexerts too much and um, I can kind of like ride that that energy you know you don't always have to fight against strength sometimes you can go around it um, and kind of use that momentum against them so as, as far as just being efficient with my strength I think I'm going to be on a whole other level with, with my experience um, and as far as who he's fought I mean he's fought at 55 quite a bit um, there's been, you know, some French strikers that have been able to take this kid down. I'm a true 170 or the first one that he's ever fought um, inside the UFC. Even the the fights that he had at 170, uh, Mickey Gall, I believe, is going to make his move down to 55, and Brian Barberina had fights at 155. So um, I'm definitely the biggest 170 he's fought, and uh, I, I don't see his strength as being... Uh, something that's going to be on his side in this fight. Interesting. So, and, uh, you know, so you said you don't worry about his strength. You think he's scared of getting hit. Uh, you know, that sort of leads me down the road. I, I got to ask you, Zach, how, how do you see this fight ending? Um, I, I probably see it ending in the first round, um, maybe second round, uh, strangulation of some kind, uh, kind of what I'm known for after I. I hurt people, they want to turn it into a grappling match, and then from there, I'm going to get his neck and, and end it. Love it. All right, so before I uh, let you go with this first part of the interview, uh, i got to ask you, so you, you own your own gym or run your own gym, Pura Vida, BJJ. Uh, I like to ask gym owners all the time, uh, who's sort of an up-and-coming fighter that we should keep an eye out for from your gym uh, as we look to the regional circuit or even in the UFC? Uh, yeah, up and comer. Just um, I'm about to corner him uh, coming up here next week uh, for the UFC Contender Series. The first episode of this of this season, Montel Jackson will be on uh, that Tuesday night, uh, June 12th, I think it is. Hopefully, everybody can tune in. Um, he's five and zero right now, and uh, I think he's definitely going to be a big name in the UFC and uh, a very exciting fighter. And he's very well-rounded. So definitely tune in to watch Montel Jackson. All right, and we certainly will do that. And we'll make sure to tune in to Zach Otto fighting Sage Northcutt at UFC on Boise on July 14th. Zach, once again, we thank you for the time so much. We really appreciate it.
Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland with FlowCombat.com's Top Turtle MMA, and we today are speaking to the savage Jillian Robertson, who recently defeated Molly McCann in Liverpool by a vicious rear naked choke. Jillian, you are the first ever UFC flyweight female with two wins. How does that feel? Oh, it feels great. It just feels it feels unreal to me that I'm even in the UFC right now. So it just. Uh, I feel like everything is just unreal. It's all a dream to me right now. <laughs> yeah, and so not on only that, not only are you in the UFC, you're the first ever flyweight with two wins, but you walked into Molly McCann's backyard. She's from Liverpool originally, where she's making her debut. Huge crowd. What was that environment like for you? Uh, it's definitely a bit of a hostile environment for me. Um, at weigh-ins and at the, on fight day, I got booed a lot, but... Uh, after the fight was over, everybody was respectful, and they, they uh, I guess they cheered for me then, but uh, I don't know, it takes a lot of pressure going into someone's hometown when they have so high, so much of a high expectation for them. So you said a lot of booing at weigh-ins. Was it, was it just booing? Because, uh, you know, I know countries like Brazil will throw beer bottles at you and stuff. Uh, England a little more forgiving than that? Yeah, England was a little bit more forgiving than that. It was just doing. Yeah, but, well, that's good. So, uh, obviously, there, there are some obstacles with getting ready for a fight in Europe, being from the U.S. Uh, you know, was was there any, uh, you know, major hurdles that you had to get over in, in getting over there and getting, like, training before the fight? Uh, the only hurdle, really, was I had a little bit of problem with my flight getting over there. Um, my first flight was delayed three hours, so I missed my connecting flight, so I was stuck in Philadelphia for an extra day. So I didn't get there until a day later, and just having to deal with my diet with weight cut in the airport is a little bit difficult. You don't really have a great option for food choices. So that was a little bit difficult, but everything went according to plan after that. Were you at least with your coaches at the time? Were you were you able to like you know roll in some back edge of the the airport or something like that? I actually was not. Me and my coach flew out separate, so Ooh. I was by myself. Ooh, that's real vicious. So that that's uh that's especially tough. Now, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the fight. Obviously, you got the win in violent fashion, and uh, a lot of people were calling it a late stoppage. H- how long do you think she was out before you eventually uh, got pulled off of her? I would say she was out for a good four or five seconds. A lot of times, it's hard to tell. Just time goes so fast when you're in there, but I definitely felt her go out a couple seconds before the ref pulled me off. Ooh, and that was sort of because she's face down, but also because it's just a tricky way to see it, Yeah. Uh, definitely, and it's like the ref's put in a hard position, whether he stops too early or stopping it too late, so it's hard to tell when you're put in that position. Absolutely, and and so you, you seem like you, you wanted to get the fight pretty badly to the ground right away. Was that the game plan from the outset to show off your grappling, or was it just something that you saw in her uh, from an early moment? Uh, that was definitely a game plan from the very beginning. We knew coming into this that a lot of her finishes were uh, knockouts or TKOs, so I knew she was going to be a strong striker and uh, definitely a tougher fight for me on the feet. So the game plan was to get it down on the ground, and that's where it's my specialty. <laughs> that's where it's my world. Yeah, and that second takedown sort of seemed to come from quite a distance away. You had to chain some things together to really get to an advantageous position. It, was that something you drilled, or was it something that just the you know the BJJ belt took over at that point? 
Uh, that's actually a takedown I do a lot in a gi, and it sort of just transferred over into MMA a little bit there. Um, but, yeah, that's not usually something I do a lot in no gi, but I guess uh, it's whatever I'm used to. Can we can we throw that up to, to Master Dean Thomas? Oh, definitely. Dean's the reason for all of my skills. I've been working with him for the last seven years now. So, and, and we're obviously big Dean Thomas fans here. Uh, we love his grappling chops. He's obviously, uh, you know, one of the top coaches in the game. What is maybe the best piece of advice that uh, Dean Thomas has given you in your run through your professional career? Uh, that's a tough one. I feel like Dean is one of the smartest people mentally in this game at his mental approach in the game. And he just knows all the right things to say at all the right times. Like, he lets you think as a fighter, and he is not – that's why I love having him in my corners because he doesn't, he's not screaming at me constantly. He's letting me think and deal with the problems in front of me instead of having to listen to a corner and deal with the fight. And there's just so much over the years that I've learned from him. I, I don't know if I could pick one thing in general. I don't Yeah. Well, it, it certainly is hard, especially when you're in a, with next to a amazing brain like him. So, we we gotta ask you're only 23 years old at this point in time. You you quickly rose to two wins in the flyweight division when no other woman has. How likely are you to get back in there soon? Uh, I mean, it, it seems like you didn't take much damage. Oh, I didn't take any damage. I'm ready to go back whenever they, whenever I get the call. I'm just waiting for the opponent's name and the date. Nice. And uh, you know, so one last question here too. So you, you know, you're only waiting for the opponent's name and date. You know, obviously you're very new to this game. You're now in the top 15, though. Is is there ha- does there happen to be an opponent that you want on your list? Uh, it doesn't matter to me as long as I'm moving up. I'm just keep on chasing that belt. So I'm, as long as I'm climbing the ranks, I'm happy. Absolutely. And uh, we're looking forward to whenever that fight is. Once again, Julian Roberts, the number 15 ranked flyweight in the UFC right now, uh, who's off of her recent win with Molly McCann in Liverpool. Uh, Jillian, we thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And those interviews were, of course, brought to you by GarageFit. Look, we can't all get from BJJ to the gym for a high-quality workout. We all have lives. Luckily, GarageFit has you covered. They got all you need for your home gym setup. Whether you need plyo boxes, heavy ropes, weighted vests, or something else, they got it all. Head on over to garagegym.net and get working out. We, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA Podcast on flowcombat.com. And Dave, that was Jillian Robertson and Zach Otto. What'd you think? Let's start with Zach Otto. Yeah, Otto's an interesting guy, man. I mean, he's very serious, but I love that he calls Sage weird, and uh, he seems quite confident that he's going to beat the shit out of him, and I'll be quite honest with you, I am a fan of any man who puts a beat down on Sage Northcutt. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and he's been able to back it up so far in the UFC, too. Mike Knocking out Mike Pyle is fucking no joke, so, uh, you know, Sage has definitely got to be weary of those hands, and he makes a good point about being the biggest, heaviest guy Sage has fought, too. This is a real 170-pounder, and Sage really hasn't seen one of those. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, when it comes to Jillian Robertson, the other interview you were able to do this week, um, you know, she's the first flyweight with two wins. She seems somewhat a little bit like almost like a prodigy in a lot of ways. You know, this is someone who just at the age of 16 said, I want to try kickboxing, then started trading with Dean Thomas 
and has really put together a nice little career for herself by age 22, 23. Yeah, she's so young. And, and you have to say, she not only won that fight against Molly McCann, she went into Liverpool, where Molly McCann is from, and where Molly McCann has fought 100 times, and she choked her cold. Um, so, you know, the, props to her for that and having the composure there. Um, and those takedowns were things she does all the time. So, so absolutely perfectly trained uh, by Dean Thomas, which is to be expected at this point. Yeah, he. I feel like he does not get the credit he deserves as being one of the goddamn best coaches in the UFC right now. I mean, really, I'm trying to even think. You take away John Jones, I was thinking like Greg Jackson, he does have Holly Holm, but I mean, Dean Thomas fighters, I would say the past two years, I, I think he's put together a more impressive resume than you know, the venerable Greg Jackson right now. Yeah, and, and I think him having a sidekick like Greg Jackson has, you know, Greg Jackson has Mike Wigglejohn. Now he's got Mike Brown. Mike Brown being his sidekick too, I think has helped take him to another level and let people realize how good he is too. Hell of a combination, those two. Uh, all right, we will move now to our combat countdown for the week, and it's in honor of the amazing main event that took place this past weekend at UFC 225 between Whitaker and Romero, it got our juices flowing and got us thinking about the best title rematches to ever take place. So before we get into it, Gumby, and we're going to break it down on the other side of our combat countdown intro, I just want to make sure, are you ready for this week's combat countdown? Oh, hell yeah, I'm ready. It's time for the combat countdown. So this week on Combat Countdown, as previously mentioned, we're breaking down the top five title rematches of all time in honor of the amazing fight that happened this past weekend at UFC 225 between Whitaker and Romero for the middleweight title, a rematch just from this past July, actually. So they fought twice within a year and both fights were pretty amazing. Ten rounds between the two fights. Uh, What did you think of this fight? We'll call it an honorable mention. We're not going to put it in the top five because it just just happened and we need a little more time to let it simmer in our heads. But what did you think of the fight? Oh, I thought it was so exciting. Uh, Rounds three and five in particular, which were the rounds Romero won, uh, were the most exciting ones. And and it it was so hard for me to think about what the judging was. I I honestly thought it was going to end in a draw because I thought at least two judges were going to give Romero... Uh, 10-8 rounds on, and either the third or the fifth. I was guessing probably the third. Um, but I think in the end they got it right. I th- think Whitaker deserved to win that fight by winning more rounds. But, man, it was so close, so exciting. I- I'm interested in all these matchups they're talking about with Romero up at 205 now because it, th- that, to me, gets my juices flowing. <laughs> all right. Well, the juices then are flowing. So now we will actually kick it off with the real combat countdown, the real top five for this week. And we start old school. It was a trilogy, but we're specifically talking right now about UFC 52 and UFC 57. Chuck, the Iceman Liddell versus Randy, the natural couture. What'd you make of this rematch? Oh, I, I love the whole trilogy. Obviously, Randy won the first one at UFC 43, but that wasn't a title fight. Uh, Chuck Liddell retaining his title at UFC 57 is such an exciting fight. And it's so iconic too, because to watch him go out there and not only dispatch a Randy Couture once, but to do it twice and to do it with a knockout is just so damn impressive because nobody put Randy Couture away like that. And Liddell did it twice. Yeah. I mean, I think 
for that one, it makes its way onto our top five list because uh, you use the right word. It's iconic. I think you'll see as we move along here, some of the other fights went a little further, went the distance, were more technical back and forth classics. But when it comes to the UFC and what we know it as today, there almost would be no UFC without those Chuck and Randy fights. I mean, and, you know, throw Tito in the mix too, but you just have to pay your respects to that trilogy. Uh, so I love that it's number five, but we'll move on to number four. And to my point, this one went uh, further. And it's funny because at UC 217, uh, Rose Namajunas had a big upset over Ioana Janjacek. Ioana seemed unstoppable at the time. Best striker in the division. Rose knocked her out. But then they come back at UFC 223 and have a technical masterpiece. Yeah, and, and I think that that's uh, – you hit the nail right on the head, a technical masterpiece. And what I think was the most impressive part of that fight too is that in the first fight, a lot of people were like, well, Rose caught her. You know, Ro- Rose threw that one punch, it tagged her, and she couldn't recover from it. This was Rose putting together one of the most impressive technical – stand-up fights over five rounds against who we previously thought was the most technical female striker in the world. Uh, And to me, watching her go toe-to-toe and mentally and technically pick apart Joanna Janjacek was such an exciting fight for me. It was more exciting than the first one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Now, you mentioned that uh, Rose... You know, knocked her out. Some people thought it was fluky. She couldn't recover. But at the very end of the day, what we were saying was, you know, Rose outstruck Joanna. And our number three fight in their first match, and this is John Jones versus Daniel Cormier, Jones out-wrestled DC. And that surprised a lot of people. And he took home a decision win at UFC 182. But what gets it into our top five is the rematch was Frickin' great. That took place at UFC 214, and that's uh, Jones uh, reclaiming his rightful title. And then a bunch of shit happened afterwards that we won't talk about that has to do with steroids. But what do you make of that fight? Yeah, the fight was just so good because it was... I felt more like in this one, what I wanted from the first one was what I got in the second one. Right? You wanted to see John Jones the striker versus Daniel Cormier the wrestler. Not John Jones out wrestled Daniel Cormier in the first one. He outstruck him too, but he definitely out wrestled him in the first one, and that was a big part of the decision. In this one, we finally got to see what the striker John Jones versus the wrestler Daniel Cormier would look like, and it looked like a head kick knockout. And that was just exactly what I was envisioning from the first one, and it finally paid off in the second one. Well, much like we mentioned with uh, Rose Namajunas upsetting Joanna, some people called it fluky, Uh, it happened in the first round, and then the rematch was much better. Same thing for our second fight, It's, or I should say the number two rematch on our combat countdown this week, it's Kane versus JDS. This saw Kane coming back after the debut of UFC on Fox in November of 2011, getting clipped in the first round. But the second fight, and the third fight too, because uh, this was also a trilogy, was a much better back-and-forth contest. But it's really that second matchup that we're honing in on tonight, right, Gumby? Yeah, that first rematch to me was the best part about Cain Velasquez because really that that's the killer Cain we want to see come back right now, right? That's the killer Cain we want to see against Steve Miocic. And 
after seeing him get tagged by a better boxer, everybody questioning whether or not he can beat that better boxer, and then not only quenching those those questions by taking him down once or twice, but by doing it repeatedly and by doing it violently, right? He wasn't just taking him down and laying on him and landing a couple shots. He was landing every single time he went down. He was he was drawing up the Habib playbook before Habib was Habib. <laughs> I like that. All right, we'll move now to number one. Uh, and again, first fight, you know, ended rather early. It saw Jose Aldo knocking out Chad Mendez with a vicious knee. But then Mendez came back in the second fight, the rematch at UFC 179, Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendez. And these two put on a hell of a fight. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it was one of those technical ones that was a little bit more back and forth than the first one. The first one, we see that, uh, you know, cage hold and the spinning knee hit the knockout. But this one, we had to see Jose Aldo go to work in the way that Jose Aldo made us fall in love with his fights to begin with, right? Jose Aldo is a super fun fighter to watch because he works the legs away. He's a fun technical striker. And he battled with Chad Mendes in this one and had to, had to deal with a little bit of adversity from Chad Mendes because I think people forget just how good Chad Mendes is during that time he was away, which, by the way, I believe he's coming back soon. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that the technical aspect of Jose Aldo doing what Jose Aldo does puts this one as maybe one of the best back-and-forth uh, title rematches of all time. Yeah, so I want to remind people the criteria for this week was title rematch. So I know you might throw some shade at us and say, well, what about Connor and Nate? That's one of the best rematches of all time. Hey, dummy, it wasn't for a title. When we do best rematches of all time, Connor and Nate will be in there, as would Rory McDonald versus uh, uh, Robbie Lawler. You know, oh, my favorite fight of fight. all time. <laughs> but the first one wasn't for a title. This was all title rematches, so I'll count it back down for you. Number five, we had Randy Couture versus Chuck Liddell. Number four was Rose Namajunas versus Joanna Jacek. Number three was Jones versus DC. God, did those two guys hate each other. Number two was Kane versus JDS, part of a trilogy. And number one was Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendez. You can tweet at us, Top Turtle MMA, on Twitter, or email the show, MMA at Gmail. Tell us if you liked our list. Tell us if you hated our list. We accept we accept both love and hate feedback right now. Gumby, that about wraps up the show for me. Any house cleaning we have to do? Yeah, don't forget to head on over to our YouTube page, Top Turtle MMA on YouTube. Uh, like some videos, subscribe, uh, and make sure you check out all the new and unique content we got going up there every week. So well said. And with that said, I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Thanks to our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Garage Fit. Thanks to the mothership, Flow Combat. We'll be back next week. <laughs>